Hey everyone, welcome to episode 96, Other People's Opinions. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 96. I cannot believe we're getting near 100. What is going on? on our podcast. And I think as we enter into almost the triple digits with our podcast, I think this is a good topic to talk about. I wish I would have talked about it earlier in the podcast because this is something I have been a lifelong struggler, is that even a word, of, and still struggle with it. And struggle isn't really the right word. It's just something that I'm always aware of because remember the ego, the unconscious mind, the subconscious is always trying to be the bodyguard of the little girl. So I'm going to help you kind of get some authority over caring about other people's opinions because our podcast and getting to almost 100 is literally because of a team effort of me, you, Michael, all the people who listen and all the people who share. And I just want to reassure you that it's literally one of the hardest things I've ever done because it's such a piece of vulnerability. And I don't say that so you send me emails and say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't say it for that reason. I say it because I want to remind you when you're going to do that thing, whatever that thing is, whether it's a book, whether it's a workout, whether it's more fun in your marriage, whenever you institute change into your life, it's going to feel awful uncomfortable and awkward. And we are on episode 96 and I still stall, stall, stall. And I think because it's, I care so much about other people's opinions and I started to distill it down a little bit. And it's so much so like moms and dads who listen to this, I never want them to think that I'm the perfect parent, that my kids are perfect. Like my kids are always going to mess up and do their 50-50 life experience. I guess I worry about other people's opinions of the people closest in my Saturn of pretty much my kids' friends' parents because they're friends of mine. And so if you are listening and you know Lily or Grady and your child is friends with my child or children, I just want to say thank you, number one, for creating this village of love. Oh my gosh, my voice is cracking. This village of love that I could send them to any of your houses and they are filled with so much love and abundance and kindness. And I hope they come home from our house saying the same thing. And just know that I don't think my kids walk on water just because I have a podcast about parenting, okay? That is like the biggest disclaimer. If you notice in the intro and then it's like how to be imperfect, how to be B minus, how to be all the things because I'm so worried with this podcast that it comes off of a certain way. And so I get jammed up about that. Like, oh, what are the other moms going to think? The other moms on the sports teams and things like that. And I know they're not thinking anything and they're not really thinking about me. And I know that it's all ego and fear. And that's where I stall. And that's where I'm like, hey, David, you want me to go clean out the lint in the dryer before starting? Because literally the stalling is out of control because my brain is saying all those things. What are Lily and Grady's friends, moms, and dads going to think? So... Any hesitation, it comes from that, even though every family friend of Lillian Grady's has been so thankful and appreciative and complimentary when they listen. So it's all literally made up in my head. So I just want to make that as a disclaimer that whenever you go to do that thing, it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel weird. It's going to feel uncomfortable. And then you do it anyway. 
so that's where the ping pong goes in my head of like, I don't need to share. I'll just get to 100 and I'll slow down and I'll coast. I'm like, no, what if there was someone struggling like you were, Kelly? That's not fair. So I just want to put that disclaimer out there. And I want to talk about where people pleasing comes from, other people's opinions. Why do we care so much? Why does it just consume so much of it? And I'm going to help you understand a little bit where it comes from so then you can kind of get some wiggle room around it and not beat yourself up for it because it's completely normal. It's how the brain is wired and nothing has gone wrong. And so I want you to have some wiggle room on it so it doesn't stop you from taking action, whether you're trying to build the business, lose the weight, parent in a different way than your parents parented you, have more fun in your marriage, leave your marriage, whatever it is, you're going to care about other people's opinions because we are projecting our own insecurities onto them. And we think that they're all thinking and talking and just like over in the corner going, when it's really not happening, or they might say something to you, like a backhanded compliment, or they might say something directly. Like, I don't think that's a good idea that you do X, Y, Z. So it could happen directly, or it could be indirectly where we project it onto other people. So this is where Saturn really comes in handy because you want to give a grain of salt, the size of the piece of salt, in proportion to where they are in your Saturn. If you haven't heard about Saturn, Saturn is pretty much like creating a bubble around yourself a bubble of love, bubble of kindness. And then within your four walls, you have that same bubble of kindness, love, abundance, all the things that you want in your life. You create it within yourself and then you're able to create it within your four walls. Then when you walk out of your four walls, then you create Saturn. And then the next rung might be your family of origin. If they're a good influence on you and your family, then the next rung might be acquaintances. Then it might, so you just kind of move out in proportion. And then further out in the rung are people on Facebook that you don't really know, but you know, you kind of remember. If someone knows your middle name, they're probably close in the middle of Saturn. Saturn. Those are kind of some, some reference points. And so creating a bubble of Saturn really helps to give a proportion of salt based on where they are. And then the closer they are to you, instead of pushing away what they're saying, just open up to it. Because if it makes you feel a certain way, then there might be some truth in it and that's okay. That's where we don't want to be perfect. That's why we're going to open up to it and we're going to be like, tell me more about what you just said. Tell me more about that versus being defensive. And I am the queen of defensiveness. So I used to be probably 90 to 95% defensive. And now I'm probably like 25% defensive when people within my four walls have some feedback for me. Let's just put it that way, some feedback. And the other day, Lily, we were getting McDonald's ice cream cones and that's all we got was McDonald's ice cream cones. We go once a week instead of three times a day. We go after we go to the dog park. And she's like, you're just so like annoying. And I'm like, oh, really? Tell me more. And she's like, you're just so like positive and upbeat. And she's like, right now I'm in a really bad mood and I just want to like take it out on you, but like you won't let me take it out on you. And I'm like, tell me more. She's like, see, that's what I mean. She's like, I want to like just say like you're annoying and then you get mad and then we have like this banter back and forth, but you just like say, tell me more. And I'm like, oh, I totally get that. That's so annoying. She's like, see, you're doing it right now. You're so annoying to get mad at. And I'm like, I get that. I'm like, she's like, you're doing it again. So it kind of takes the sting out of a little bit and it opens it up for discussion. So then when you have quote unquote feedback for them within your four walls, they're more open to it and tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. If you have a super defensive child, just know that the best way to make them non-defensive is to model it for them. I want to reassure you that caring about what other people think isn't a bad thing. And you can't go from caring what other people think to not caring about other people think because it makes you a little like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs if you just think that you're going to go through life and not care what other people think. It's okay to care about what other people think in moderation. So instead of caring about it 95% of the time, what if we just dropped it down to like we cared about it 25 to 50% or we cared about it, but we still took action? Because if I cared what other people think, this podcast would not be here. So we have to kind of have some wiggle room and give it a grain of salt, but not 
the biggest grain of salt, so to speak. And the reason why this happens is because we're very tribal. We're wired for connection. So if someone doesn't approve, someone doesn't think that we're good enough, then it taps on something within us in a primal level where we think that we're going to get kicked out of the tribe or we think that we're going to not be good enough. And that's our biggest, deepest, darkest fear on everybody's forehead is, am I good enough? Am I good enough mom? Am I good enough spouse? Am I good enough housekeeper? Am I good enough room mom? Am I good enough health-wise? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? And it goes on and on. And it's like trying to fill a bucket that has holes in it. It can never be filled because it has to come from the in to the out. Well, when we're little, when we're born, we go to mom and dad, we go to coaches, we go to teachers, we go outside of us to find our value and our worthiness. So a child is born and then they start to get accolades or they start to get the grades or they start to get approval from their parents or they get disapproval from their parents. And so then they think, well, I must not be good enough. And that's why the podcast called Your Parents Lied to You was so healing for so many people. Because if you went to your parents and were not answered with a resounding, yes, you're good enough, then a lot of times you created messages within your own brain that you're not good enough based on their behavior, even though their behavior had nothing to do with you. So if you had a parent who was an overdrinker, or if you had parents who fought a lot, or if your parents got divorced, or there was abuse, or there was hitting, or there was yelling, or there was XYZ pain stress or trauma, the child doesn't say, oh, wow, my parents really struggling trying to with their mental health and they have some issues. A child doesn't know about bipolar. A child doesn't know about narcissism. A child doesn't know about toxicity. A child doesn't know about alcoholism. A child doesn't know about workaholism. The child automatically, because they're egocentric, makes it about them and says, I must not be good enough because I couldn't get dad to put down the drink. Or if I was a better boy, then my dad wouldn't work so much because he would be there for me. And so the point of reference is usually from your parents first, and then they have an on-off switch of you are a good girl or you are a bad girl. And it can go both ways. You're a bad boy or you're a good boy. So we're getting this messaging as a child where we look external for our value and our worthiness because we're so afraid, especially as we grow, that we're not going to fit into the tribe, that we're not going to be part of a family, that we don't have that sense of belonging. So when that's not there or we feel lonely or feel isolated or feel neglected, then the child says, there's something wrong with me. I must not be good enough. If I was better, if I was a good girl, then I would be good enough. Or sometimes there's a lot of stress with parents. So the child becomes an overachiever because they might see a brother or sister getting in trouble, or they might feel so valued and worthy because they are the good girl or the good boy. So then they become extra good and they have to be perfect and they have to get straight A's and they can never step out of line because if they step out of line, then they will be kicked out of the tribe. And these are messages not always told to the child directly, but a lot of times it's what the child observes and then becomes and then distills into her own mind of this is how I get my oxygen. For a child, approval, good enoughness, the good girl, the good boy, that accolade, so to speak, is called the vow. It's almost like a contract, a soul contract that you have. And there's a page on YouTube that I follow called the Wu Wei Wisdom, tongue twister, but you know I love alliteration. They are so wonderful in explaining of why this happens and what they call as the vow. The vow is something that between usually ages six to nine, now this is ballpark, between six to nine, the child gets messaging directly and indirectly of their worthiness and their value and what their vow is and what role do I need to play in this family to have a sense of belonging, to get love, to get affection, to get not kicked out of the tribe. What is that vow? What is that promise? What is that contract? And the vow is messaging that is individual for every human being. This doesn't mean you had bad parents. This doesn't mean you had good parents. You just had the parents that you were supposed to have. For whatever reason, 
But us blaming the parents for whatever happened or didn't happen does not serve us when we're in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Awareness is key because then we can dislodge and unlock that messaging and uncover the messaging and what did I tell that little boy or the little girl? And then how am I bringing that little girl or that little boy into my adult relationships and my adult relationship with myself? What messages did I think to myself? And then you can kind of like look at it and be like, huh, that's fascinating that at seven years old, this is what I made my parents divorce mean. Or at seven years old, this is what I meant when my parents weren't around and I was in aftercare, morning care, and being raised by grandma or grandpa. So that's why it's different for everyone. And this podcast is very much plug and play. What was the messaging? What did you think you needed to do in your vow to get worthy, to get that feeling of worthiness, to get that feeling of enoughness, and to get that oxygen? What was your vow? What was your contract? What was your soul contract that you made with yourself as a child to get that oxygen? Now, you'll see it very obvious. Some children get super rebellious. Some children get super good, and they become the A+, plus, A+, plus, A+, plus, A+, plus because they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to be kicked out of the tribe. They're so scared of being kicked out of the tribe that not only are they going for the A+, plus, they're going for the A+, plus, 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 plus. Overachiever on speed because they're so afraid of adding chaos to an already chaotic environment. This is very plug and play. I don't want you to beat your parents up and think that they did something wrong, but think about what that little girl, little boy was messaging to themselves about externally, how do I get my oxygen? Now, when we're little, like one, two, and three, you don't see a one, two, and three-year-old looking external for their validation or their worthiness. It happens as the child grows. Then they start looking externally, and if they're told all the time, you're a bad girl, you're a bad boy, you don't listen, why are you being such a B-R-A-T, then the child starts to take that on as their own inner dialogue. I'm a bad girl, I'm a B-R-A-T, I'm not good enough, I need to get straight A's, oh my goodness, I got a C, and then they're terrified to make a mistake. And so then the brain starts to do what the brain does. It starts to put on this bubble of safety around. Well, we cannot get hurt by any other human. We've been hurt in the past and we don't want that to happen again. So it shuts down to vulnerability. You never see a two-year-old afraid of vulnerability. That happens through ages and stages and through programming and through conditioning and through your upbringing. Think about six to nine. What were you thinking? What was your messaging? What were you saying about your environment that meant something about you? When you realize that your parents' opinion of you was more of a projection of themselves projected onto you, that's super freeing to know that your parents were just humans doing their best being a human. Mom was trying her best job as a mom. Dad was trying his best job as a dad. And a lot of times that best meant they couldn't be there for you emotionally because they couldn't be there emotionally for themselves. It has nothing to do with you because people will punch back and say, well, my parent wasn't there. They neglected, they left when I was two. They would have done the same exact thing to me, your neighbor, or your greedy good grandpappy because they weren't emotionally available to themselves, so they had nothing left in the tank for you. Doesn't make it good, doesn't make it bad. And so that inner child, that little girl, that little boy made messages about mom or dad not being there. Now, I always say on this podcast, we have two chances at a parent-child relationship. The first relationship, we had no say in the matter. It was literally the deck of cards that we were given. Now, what I try to help you with is that the second part is where you get your true power, that you can let go of all of that if it was less than ideal. You can let go of all that and then be the parent that you wanna be and also be the parent that you needed when you were younger. 
Now, every child is different. So it's very much this nuanced approach of this openness versus repeating old patterns. But the brain is going to try to want to repeat old patterns because it likes to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient. So it doesn't want to work very hard to think of something different. Your brain actually doesn't like our podcast because it says, don't listen to her. What does she know what she's talking about? So the reason why we care so much about other people's opinions is because it's the little girl or little boy inside of us that is so afraid of being kicked out of the tribe and so afraid of of not being good enough or not getting that approval because it didn't happen when we were younger. So we're afraid when we're 25, 35, 45, that it's going to be that same feeling of not being accepted by our caregivers. But we're 35 and we have a boss that doesn't like us. And all of a sudden we feel that we're not good enough. We're not valuable. We're not worthy. So I always encourage clients that when you are thinking about what other people think about yourself, how are we projecting what we think about ourselves onto other people? Because instead of worried if other people like your dress, You take it and you start living your life from the in to the out. So when we're overly obsessed about what other people think about us, what we're really doing is we're worried what we think about ourselves. I want that to land. And then when that lands, it's going to give you such freedom that other people are not thinking about you. And I love Arliss Perriello's quote. She says, it's not our business what other people think about us. And I love Brooke's quote where she says, it's okay for people to be wrong about you. People are going to have opinions no matter what you decide to do in your life. It was funny because both my kids, there were so many opinions flying around of should the kids go back to school? Should they do virtual? Should they go face-to-face? Should they go part-time, full-time? And I had one child doing one thing and then another child doing another scenario. And I had judgments coming at both angles. And I was like, this is okay. It's all okay. People are going to have opinions, but there's not one right way. We're thinking that there's one right way of parenting or there's one right way of being in a marriage, one right way of having our house. And then if anything varies from that, then we're worried we're going to be kicked out of the tribe. So instead of worried what other people are thinking, I want you to start worried about what you think about you. The episode last week about your relationship with your body really resonated with a lot of you because a lot of you are beating yourselves up and being super hard on yourselves and being super mean to yourselves and being an inner bully and inner critic, all the things. And then you're shocked that other people don't like the same things that you don't like about yourself. So when other people don't like something about you, instead of getting defensive, sometimes I'll just agree. I'm like, yeah, I don't really like that part about myself either. And that bubble of safety comes in and the brain just works overtime to be, okay, I, will, I cannot have any judgment, any shame. The book Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown really helped me with my perfectionism, which is still always there. I feel like I'm always in rehab. And she talks about perfectionism that if we could just be super perfect, then we won't have any shame or judgment or criticism from other people if we're just super perfect. But then what happens when you're perfect or you try to be perfect? You try to have the perfect marriage, perfect kids, perfect grades, perfect all the things, perfect house, perfect foods, perfect feed. Then people are thinking, oh, that's gross. She's so perfect. I can never keep up to her. I can never measure up. I don't feel good enough when I'm around that person. So there's no bubble of safety because even if you try to do their things, all the right things, guess what? People are still going to judge it. And that's okay. Nobody ever died from being judged. And we judge, it's okay to judge other people because you're always trying to figure out, is this a good influence? Does this person make me feel happy and warm and fuzzy on the inside? Because we're so worried about other people's criticism, but what we really need to focus on is what we're doing it to ourselves. Instead of worried about what other people are criticizing us, how are we criticizing ourselves? How are we focused on our side of the street? How are we treating ourselves in the way that we want other people to think and talk about us? Because when you're filling yourself up with self-love, then you're not so focused on other people because you're just so desperate and needy of love that you're getting crumbs of love from outside sources. But what's really missing is not loving yourself. 
and being kind to yourself and being gentle with yourself and giving yourself grace and compassion. So when you are starving for your own love, it's like that song, looking for love in all the wrong places. I know I'm a great singer. Don't throw money at the stage. I'm sorry. And it's like that dog that's on the track. If you've ever watched dogs race on a track, I think they're going after either a bunny or a carrot. And that's what makes them run so fast. But what happens is when you are always seeking external validation because you're living your life from your out to the in versus the in to the out, when you're living from the out to the in, it's like you chase after that carrot, you chase after the carrot. And sometimes the carrot could be a job. It could be an income. It could be a weight. It could be a house. It could be a child. It could be a spouse. It could be a car. It could be so many things. And then once you get that bite of that carrot or you get that bunny, as quickly as you got it, it leaves just as quickly because it doesn't have any grit. It doesn't have any teeth to it to sink itself in because it's looking externally and other people are not able to fill up that hole, H-O-L-E. It's like a bucket. Kids can't do it. Spouse can't do it. Your house can't do it. Your income can't do it. Your weight can't do it. Your car can't do it. And when it tries... We get like a little shot, a little shot of dopamine, of worthiness, and then it just dissipates over time. But the long standing is when we give it to ourselves. Then we're not looking around being needy and graspy and looking for it externally. And it's so crazy that we want everybody to like us all the time, but like that seems pretty controlling of me to want everybody to like me. I want to take over everyone's free will. I want to take over everyone's brain. I want to take over everyone's all the things, and I want all the people to like me at all times. But the fact is, I don't even like myself all the time. So how can I expect all the people to do it all the time? That seems very selfish and very needy and very like, who do I think I am kind of thing. But the reason why we want that is because we think it's going to make us feel full and complete and whole and worthy and valuable. And that's why people are so depleted and so empty and so searching for love in all the wrong places, because it's just a temporary fix. If you were to meet you at a party, would you like you at a party? If you had a dating profile, would you be able to write a hundred good things about yourself? The way that we talk to ourselves, if we were to put that on a dating profile, would we have any dates? If I'm saying things like, I'm too fat, I'm a horrible mom, I have a messy house, I'm deep in debt, and I'm a horrible cook, that's how we talk to ourselves. And so if we're talking to ourselves that way, and then we have a dating profile, and we put that on there... Um, I don't think that's very attractive or very alluring. I don't think we're going to have a lot of dates. So think about your life, about what you think about yourself first, and then all the other people and all the other opinions, they don't land as hard. They don't trigger you so much because it's not really your business. And it's not our responsibility to have all the people like us all the time. And it's next to impossible. No, I'm sorry. It is impossible. And I love Brooke's quote. It's okay for others to be wrong about you. Brooke says, when you want everybody to like you and you're a people pleaser, then you are a liar because you are becoming a chameleon just to please the other people. But then you're not being authentic. You're not being who you really are. And Dr. Shefali says that they're very selfish people who want all the people to like them. And I can see why, because we expect the people to like us and we're going after it to get that validation and the affirmation that we're good enough. And so we're actually using another human to do our job. And I was listening to a call about a client who was being coached and she was stuck between her mom and her husband. The mom was trying to be really nice. They were having a baby and the mom was bringing by these expensive gifts. She was bringing by like a rocking chair for the baby and the formula and the 
swing and the pack and play and try and the husband was saying stop enough with the stuff we don't need all this stuff we're gonna just gonna be a minimalist family and so she said well what do you want and then the client was so perplexed because she never even considered what she wanted she was so worried about being stuck between her husband and her mom and she was stuck in that in between of emotional adulthood versus emotional childhood where she wanted to please her husband as an emotional adult and make him happy and then she was wanted to make her mom happy and she stepped into emotional childhood. So she was afraid to say no to her mom. So then the coach asked, what, what do you want? And she's like, I've never even considered that because I'm so worried about dad and mom fighting, not fighting, but there was stress and frustration about it. And she says, I've never even thought about it. I don't want any of this stuff, but I'm so afraid of hurting my mom's feelings. And she said, so instead you want to hurt your feelings and not take any action about what you want. Forget about what the husband wants or what the mom wants. What do you want? But sometimes when we're a child, we don't even think about what we want because we're so hyper-focused on getting our oxygen. But when we step into emotional adulthood, it's okay to disappoint other people because either way, she's going to disappoint spouse or she's going to disappoint mom. And then she told her mom and her mom's like, oh, I had no idea. No biggie. I'll give you a gift card. You can get whatever you want. So she made such a big deal because she was so afraid of disappointing or upsetting or not being good enough to mom or getting in trouble. And I love what Dr. Laura says when I'm to her caller. She says, it's okay to disappoint your parents when you're an adult. Your mom or your dad cannot send you to bed without supper. They cannot ground you. A lot of clients that come to me are very concerned about what their mom or dad think and what their in-laws think, especially the mother-in-law. They're very tense. And so they just give up all of their emotional responsibility to the mother-in-law and the parents because they're so afraid of disappointing, upsetting, making waves. But when you step into emotional adulthood, you realize that they're an adult too and they can manage being disappointed. They're gonna be okay if you say no to the pack and play. They're gonna be okay if you say no to the rocking chair. Have you felt disappointed before? Disappointment doesn't hurt anybody because love is at the essential part of that relationship. And when that's the common thread, then it's okay to say no. It's okay to make boundaries because you're doing it with love. You're doing it because you've stepped into emotional adulthood. And so now you're doing what's best for your four walls because we're really not entitled to have everybody like us all the time. And I ask clients, I'm like, do you like everybody all the time? And they're like, no, I actually don't like most people. And I said, did they do something? Is there something? And she's like, no, I just don't really want to be around a lot of people. It has nothing to do with them. And so that's the same gift we can give to ourselves that we don't have to, and we're not entitled for all the people to like us all the time. And other people's opinions can be what other people's opinions are, and we can still love them. And sometimes we love them from afar if we make boundaries with them. If they're not showing up in the way that we want instead of wanting them to change, like if there's a lot of drinking or there's a lot of verbal abuse, instead of always inviting them into our lives, we can love them and know that, you know, someone who drinks a lot, they're in a lot of pain and they're trying to numb out on that pain. Doesn't mean they have to be in your life and over your house every day for chicken dinner. Maybe they're over once a quarter for chicken dinner. So you can still create space and you do it with love and compassion because you're making boundaries what's best for your family. Having mom over or dad over or the uncle over because you want their approval, you want to feel good enough and you're seeking that validation and then hurting your own four walls. It's kind of like when you go to a shoe store, there's so many different shoes there and there's so many different sizes and so many different styles that not all shoes are going to fit. It's the same thing with people. There's lots of ages, lots of stages, lots of styles, and not every shoe is going to be like the glass slipper from Cinderella. And that's okay. It doesn't negate the quality of the other shoes. So you think of yourself as a shoe on a shoe rack and someone comes in and they choose a different shoe. It doesn't mean that all the other shoes are not good enough, are not valuable, are not worthy. It was just a better fit for that person. 
But a lot of times if we are a shoe and someone comes into our lives and they don't choose us as their shoe, or they say, I'm not really into that style of shoe, then we think that the shoe is bad, that we're not good enough. Then we turn into that emotional child who wanted that oxygen mask and who didn't get it from mom or dad. So now we're going to get it from this person four rungs out on our Saturn to give us that gift that was never given to us. We want that oxygen from that person. And so I want to teach you about a little filter that will really help you. When people are saying things about you or you think they're saying things about you or they say it directly, they say it indirectly, they might say it online, they might say it via text, they might say it to your face, you might hear it behind your back, you might think that they're thinking and saying things about you. Most of the time, we're worried about what other people are thinking and they're not thinking about us at all. You know what they're doing? They're thinking about what we're thinking about them. Isn't it crazy? We are obsessed with what other people think about us. Let's say we're obsessed what Susie is thinking about us. What is Susie thinking? What is Susie gonna think? What if I make this choice? What's Susie gonna say? What's, oh my goodness, Susie said this, Susie said that. I think Susie's gonna think that. And we're just obsessed with the Susie. And guess what Susie's thinking about? I wonder what they're thinking about me. I wonder what they're saying about me. I wonder if I make this move, if I make this decision, I wonder what they're thinking about me. So it's crazy that everyone's having the same fears. And I've talked to hundreds of moms who are worried what other people are thinking about them. And then the other moms are thinking about what the other moms are thinking about them. And it's just like this constant, everyone's trying to get their oxygen when it's something we can give to ourselves. It's a never ending cycle of search, not finding. Search, get a hit, then keep searching. Get another hit, then keep searching, then keep searching. Because the hit doesn't last. It's not sustainable. And so the filter I want you to do is first, see where they are in Saturn, in your Saturn. And then you're gonna take a grain of salt based on where they are in Saturn. And then I want you to also see where they are right in what they're saying. If it brings up any type of emotion, then it probably hit a little Achilles heel, a little nerve. Might be a big nerve, might be a little nerve. How are they right? Maybe not all the way right, but how are they a little bit right? Because then it drops the defensiveness and you open up to it. So if they're close in Saturn, you open up big time. If they're far out in Saturn, how are they right? Yeah, I can see how they're right a little bit about that. So if someone calls me a drug dealer, that's not gonna land. That's not gonna be an Achilles heel. That's not gonna do anything because I know I'm not a drug dealer. Someone could say I'm having an affair on David. Wouldn't land, wouldn't be Achilles heel. Wouldn't even hit my radar. They're probably far out in Saturn. Hasn't been said, but I'm just using examples. I'm using analogies. It's not gonna land. Why is it not gonna land? Because I know there's zero truth about that. And that's where the quote comes in. It's okay for people to be wrong about me. But what if Lily says, and she's close in Saturn, she's as close as, Lily, Grady, and David are as close as they can get in Saturn. So that's a huge grain of salt. So Lily says, you're so annoying. Or let's say she says, I don't like you. How can we agree with what she's saying? That's true. I don't really like myself all the time too. I can be annoying. I annoy myself. Then you see how we're opening up to it? And we're not doing it in a condescending way. It's more like, tell me more. Because most parents want their kids to open up to them. But if they open up to them and they're saying things that aren't things that we want to hear, then we shut them down. You're being disrespectful. You're being rude. That's not how you talk to your parents. Then they're not going to open up to us about the big things if they can't open up to us about when we're being frustrating. And then when we talk to them, we don't have to use those words, but you know, with teens and kids, sometimes they don't have a filter. So they just say it like it is. Like if David said to me, sometimes I feel like you don't listen. You're not listening to me. The old Kelly would get super defensive. What do you mean I don't listen to you? I'm a counselor. I'm a life coach. I listen all day long. How is he right? Yeah, sometimes I'm kind of doing other things while you're talking. Sometimes your stories are a little slow, dude. Like, speed it up. I listen to YouTubes and podcasts on like one and a half to two X. And so when he's talking sometimes, I'm like, can I like put him on two X? 
bro, get to the point. And I know he's probably thinking about that with me when I tell stories too. He's like, get to the point, girl. Kind of like when he told me that I talk loud at restaurants and I got super defensive. Then my sister says it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. So the defensiveness is just the ego protecting the little girl or little boy that's so afraid of not being good enough. And what if we just all agree that we're not good enough and we lean into the people in our relationships and we give that gift to ourselves that we don't always have to be good enough. We're all flawed. We're all awesome. We're flossom. I'm 50% flawed and I'm 50% awesome. So I'm flossom. So when someone says something about me, especially to my face, and that they're close to my Saturn, I usually will agree with them. Not because I'm beating myself up, but because I don't want to have that tug of war. So someone asked me the other day, said, what do you say when your five-year-old says that they don't like you? And I said, but I kind of agree with the five-year-old. I don't like myself all the time. How am I supposed to expect my five-year-old to like me all the time? We're living together 24-7 in the same quarters. We don't have to like each other all the time. We're going to get on each other's nerves. We're sometimes not going to listen. We're going to mess it up. We're going to do it half wrong, half right. And so where is the truth in it? So if someone calls me a drug dealer, doesn't land, doesn't sting. Someone says I'm annoying or I'm not listening or I'm not there for them. I'm like, tell me more. How do I agree with you that what you're saying is true, especially when they know your heart and they know you closely? Because the cool thing that happens is the more that you open up to it, then when you have feedback for them, they will be more open to it. They might not say, tell me more. They just might say, huh, that's interesting. Because then they don't have the pressure to be perfect. Then they can be the B minus child or the B minus spouse. And then the 50-50 becomes more like 90-10 because we're not trying to fight against it and we're not arguing with reality. And it's okay to disappoint other people because you disappoint other people sometimes too. And that's okay. Nobody died from disappointment. But the love and abundance and kindness is at the core. Then we open up to the feedback versus shutting it down. And then they'll shut down as well. And then you have two people who are avoiding vulnerability because we're so worried about what other people think. Instead, I want you to focus on what you think about you instead of others think about you. I hope this helped. I'll talk to you next week. Love you. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, Send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was. What was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening? I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.